Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host as always, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, this is a really special podcast today. We have teamed up with James Atkinson, who has the fantastic podcast, Drink Adventures in Sydney. Uh, And we're going to take one of his podcasts and actually swap. He's actually going to have one of our podcasts with Evan Strove on his channel. So this is a bit of a swap, something we're testing out. We think you're really going to enjoy it. But this is an episode that he recorded a couple of months back with the guys from Hickson House all the way in the Sydney CBD with Mikey Enright, Julian Train and Tim Stones. It's a fantastic podcast. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So let's get into this episode and, uh, and let us know what you think. Cabernet tends to be the sort of Errol Flynn of the great varieties. The most expensive beer in history. People will turn around to me and say, oh, I'm just making gin while I wait for my whiskey to get ready. Because wine is an adventure. Conventional winemakers who just condemn all natural wine as faulty. The prestigious title of Saki Samurai. Looking at whiskey in more of an artful culinary way. They kind of look at it as a novelty more than anything. The guy from the rock bands is making wine. This is the Drinks Adventures podcast. I'm James Atkinson. And this is the show where I speak to some of the world's most exciting producers of beer, wine and spirits and uncover trends and issues in the drinks industry today. Normally on this podcast, you're hearing from companies that have already been in operation for at least a few years or possibly much longer. In this case, I'm making an exception to speak with the founders of a business that is still in planning. Hickson House Distilling is scheduled to open to the public in June 2021, and it's a significant project on a number of levels. It's a full-scale production distillery located in the historic Rocks Precinct in the centre of Sydney. And then there's the profiles of its founders. Drinks industry veterans Mikey Enright and Julian Train are the team behind some of Sydney's best small bars. They have The Barbershop, renowned for its selection of more than 700 gins, and the Duke of Clarence, their incredibly authentic homage to an English pub. So it's safe to assume that the hospitality side of the project will be second to none. Mikey and Julian are joined on this project by distiller Tim Stones, most recently of Manly Spirits in Sydney. Tim learnt his craft alongside master distiller Desmond Payne at Beefeater Gin in London, who we met in season two of this podcast. Hickson House will be producing gins, aperitifs, whiskies, and specialist spirits. But as you'll hear in this episode, some of the other details are still under wraps. I did what I could to get as much info as possible for you. Now, as there are more voices in this episode than we're accustomed to, it probably helps to tell you that Julian is the one with the Australian accent. But it's Mikey you'll hear from first up, giving you the background on how the project was first conceived. Well, I suppose really you could probably say... Uh, initial idea five years ago. Um, we spoke. To, I spoke to Tim probably three years ago, or even earlier. Yeah, than it was that, for four. Four years Maybe ago. Four and a half years ago. Yeah. Now. It tells of the cocktail. It was the end of the the cocktail festival, and I heard Tim was leaving beef here, so we had a quick chat, just on the way to the airport. But that's another story. And then you know Julian was very keen to do this, so so we we got in conversation, and Julian came on board about full time with Barrel House Group a couple of years ago. And since then, he's been working on the project. So, here we are. 
the market's obviously moved really quickly in that time and you only have to kind of look up behind the bar at this bar particularly, the yeah. barbershop, got an, an amazing selection of gins. What makes you sort of look at the market and think we can put a distillery right in the centre of Sydney <laughs> and, and make, a, make a fist out of it? Yeah, quite brave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we've, it's because it's been in the making for so long, uh, you know, and our, and our free makeups of our, our you know, our, our history and what we've done in each area, we, we feel, you know, is, we know it's a saturated market, but there still is growth for quality, you know, and we've got some good ideas of what we want to do and where we want to position ourselves. So we're really excited and, uh, you know, and it, we're not just going to be making gin, we're going to be making some other spirits as well, which we can't say just yet. But, you know, we're going to obviously be making whiskey, which is a huge focus for us. We love gin and that's going to be, you know, our start and spirit. But as soon as we're making gin, we'll be making whiskey at the same time. Tell me a little bit about, about the venue. It sounds like it's going to be, um, you know, very much a hospitality sort of driven operation, like a proper kind of restaurant. Yeah, I guess that uh, right from the very start, that's the one thing Mike and I, when we even first started talking about this, um, agreed on that, you know, we're, we're, we're hospitality people. We're all right at the hospitality bit. We feel like we've got a lot, lot to offer on that front. We wanted to do a distillery that had a, a genuine standalone, fantastic uh, hospitality offering, um, as opposed to it being a bit of a, a, a an add-on or a tack-on to, to the distillery. Um, yeah, so, so we feel that the combination of the distillery, a full working distillery, I guess that's an important point as well, is we're not, we're not making just a, like a show distillery and, and creating product elsewhere. Um, we've really got a full operational end-to-end -end distilling operation in there. And then, of course, having a, a, what we're calling a proper bar and restaurant and, you know, full, full food offering and all the stuff that we're known for already. Uh, in the hospitality yeah, we, side. We, I yeah. mean, even this morning we've been going through what spirits we're going to have on our back bar and, and you know, we've said, you know, no matter where those spirits are from, you know, like we're, we're picking all of our favourite spirits, you know, um, that we'll be, we'll be stocking. More than likely we'll probably be only, only stocking our, uh, our own gin. <laughs> OK. <laughs> you never know, though. We'll see whether we put a few of us on the back bar. This is at the distillery, you know, Hexham House. So, yeah, so we're kind of, you know, and we're going to have beer and we're going to have some um, local wines, New South Wales wines as well. And we're going to have, you know, lots of Australian whiskey on the back bar as well. So, you know, so we're supporting the local part, obviously, New South Wales, and then beyond that, you know, to as far as Scotland. And, Tim, um, you've known these guys for a while and um, you were obviously the, the distiller that, that, that they had earmarked for the job. Well, I've known, I've known Mike for years and years. We always used to bump each, into each other around the traps at all the international bar shows. And Mike came to me in, uh, in New Orleans a little while ago. You know, he said, you're leaving Beef Eater, you're coming to Australia. Do you want to come, come and do something? And I was like, yes, definitely. But unfortunately, timers didn't quite work out. So uh, I ended up being a distiller at Manly Spirits for three years. And uh, then uh, I think one afternoon over in the Duke of Clarence, we had a couple of pints. and. Uh, we were like, well, maybe we should reprise our conversations, and, and here we are. Um, tell me how you sort of made the transition from, um, you know, what was a, was a brand ambassador role at Beefeater, and how did you transition to Distiller? Uh, very clumsily, um, I think is probably uh, the, to sum it up. 
Um, but no, being BA was great at Beef Eater because um, A, I got to travel the world and uh, see all the markets and see what was going on. Uh, and the most important thing for me was really to actually spend time down at the distillery. Um, did a lot of tours for bartenders down there, so obviously hung around the distillers a lot, especially Desmond Payne, the master distiller. Um, and then it kind of formed the idea that um, I couldn't be, a, couldn't be a BA forever. It was eventually going to take a toll on relationships and health. So I thought, you know, moving into distilling would be a way of staying in the industry that I knew and loved, um, but kind of sort of semi-retiring almost, which it absolutely hasn't turned out to be. Because, <laughs> yeah, I think I started working even harder when I became a distiller. But just being around Desmond and the guys there, they, um, they very kindly uh, um, paid for me to do my general certificate of distillation there. Um, I started learning, learning the ropes from Desmond and, uh, and the other distillers down at Beefeater. And then my partner's Australian. Um, we made the decision to move to Australia. It took me all about 30 seconds to uh, make that decision. It's coming into its own at the moment. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah it really is. Um, yeah, kind of when we came over here, I'm kind of bit, bit by the seat of our pants, really. We quit our jobs, uh, went travelling for a few months, um, didn't have a home, house or, or jobs to come to. Um, ended up meeting David and Vanessa um, of Manly Spirits via email while I was travelling, and within a week of landing, I got a job as a distiller over there. Um, and that was, a, that was a learning curve for sure. Um, going from kind of a big, you know, occasionally distilling in a big multinational to basically a, a, a startup coming through halfway through the build. And yeah, the learning curve was pretty steep for that. But it was a lot of fun. And a good few years though, making some, some gins and also they've had whiskey in the pipeline, I'm pretty sure as yeah, well. Yeah, um, well, I was there for just shy of three years. Um, we did, uh, we've done some gins, which... Um, very thankfully, were quite well received in, in the, some of the awards around the world. And yeah, just kind of slowly making whiskey along the way as well. So I think I laid down about 500 barrels of whiskey for them. I think they might be about to launch something. But uh, yeah, but I'm looking forward to doing, doing whiskey here with, uh, with Mike and Jules. And yeah, we've got a good story behind it. So um, yeah, it's going to be going to be fun. When you found this site or when you were looking, were you kind of um, anticipating that you might be right in the CBD or was that kind of something that just happened out of the blue? I guess, I guess we, we sort of had in, inner ring Sydney, you know, we literally drew a, drew a circle around, picked out, out some suburbs and between the three of us split up those areas, you know, the CBD, I guess, around, around the airport and, you know, some other areas up, up north and I don't know, for anyone that's been through the process of dealing with leasing agents for commercial, it's, it, it's best to split this job up because the phone just doesn't stop. And so, yeah, it's quite, quite a long process. We took, it was good um, eight months of, of looking around. Well, I think we quite naively uh, thought we'd find a venue within about six weeks, didn't we? We did, yeah, yeah. And um, then, all, then eight months later. Yeah. <laughs> and is it a much more complicated in terms of like the sort of services that you need and, you know, utilities and stuff that you need to be able to get in there it must be a lot harder finding a site to put a distillery in than it would be a bar. Yep, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a unicorn space you're trying to find, especially when you're close to the city, because you need the access. You obviously, there's a whole lot of um, safety and health issues as well. Um, um, uh, obviously, you've got ex extraction and things like that going on. So heritage, there's, there's a whole bunch of elements. And um, so w we actually looked at a a range of spaces while we were hunting around and um, I, I think we were 
luckily um, it, it was Tim actually who was, who was doing the, the CBD bit and um, we came across this space down in the, right down in the rocks that, that really, aside from the building being largely made of timber, which was for a distillery is, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would walk away on that basis alone, um, but we just fell in love with it. What is the history of the, the building? Well, the Metcalf building dates back to early 1900s. That space down there was a, the gardens for the rocks originally, and then it was built as a, a bond store. And so it's, it's, it's one, of the, one of the main bond stores that was down on the, on the waterfront there. Um, it was operated by the same family actually for 60, 70 years. And in recent years, I think the last 25 years or so, uh, Saatchi and Saatchi have had that building as their, as their head office. Pretty much most of it as well. Yeah, and, um, and they've, they've recently moved out. And, and I guess the space we've got is their, uh, is their old garage. Uh, for want of a better word, it's probably the most beautiful garage in Sydney, if you ask me. It's absolutely, absolutely stunning. It's got great view. Yeah. yeah. The great, yeah. great view for a car park. Oh, yeah. it does, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's been, there's been all manner of hurdles uh, to get over, um, but I have to say, it's been a, you know, we've been really well supported by, you know, the Rocks strategy team and even the state government. Um, there's been so much kind of will for something like this to happen down there that, yeah, so I think the fire rating bit has really been the, the biggest challenge. Um, and, and anyone who comes and pays us a visit, all you have to do is just look up uh, when you walk in and you'll realise how much of a challenge we've had on our hands to make the place fire safe, to put enormous alcohol kettles uh, into, into, into the building. But yeah, I think it'll all pay off. The extra work, I think, uh, is gonna be well, well worth it, yeah. How far down the track were you when, you know, the shutdown and pandemic stuff happened last year? We were negotiating at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, um, and Saatchi and Saatchi were literally moving out of that building. They were going to have a final party in the car park, which uh, they were famous for, and, um, and they couldn't have it because of social distancing, which, you know, those steps had already come in. So that was kind of almost the start of it. So... You know, and it just kind of like went through COVID, and Zoom meetings, and and then without having signed a lease or anything like yeah, that, yeah, no lease. Yeah, yeah. That that obviously took a long time to process, you know, because the minister had to sign off on it. Really, the rocks is owned largely by the state government, so yeah. all that side of it took took a little longer than it would normally. But yeah, I think we, you know, we, we, we did this all through the thick of COVID. So there was a lot of Zoom meetings happening. It was great. I mean, from my point of view, no one has the luxury of having, you know, best part of a year to do product development <laughs> either. So, I mean, I was working in the office upstairs here on York Street and um, COVID happened and we all decamped to our various houses. And I got to sit in my garage for a few months with a little test still just quietly rattling off gin recipes and, and trialing things. And then I would drive around, drive around Sydney, drive up to uh, far northern beaches uh, to drop off samples of jewels on the doorstep, ring the doorbell, run away. <laughs> and then uh, back down to um, back down to Wallara, see Mikey, and then do the same. And then back to my house in the lower northern beaches. And then we'd all get our samples out, jump on a Zoom call and do tastings, write notes. And yeah, I mean, I was... was and we've been doing that every 
almost every week, really, yeah. since we started. So yeah, in so, yeah, in some ways, sort of COVID was a blessing in disguise. Certainly, from my point of view, to be able to just lock myself away and develop product. Now, I know you don't want to let the cat out of the bag with the real specifics of any of the products that you've made, but yeah. I mean, can you tell me anything, like stylistically, around? I mean, you strike me, Mike, as being a guy who's pretty big on classic styles when it comes to gin. Would you say that you're going to be more of a classically styled distillery or or um, innovative, creative combination of the both? I mean, um, Tim will talk through his recipes to a point. To a point. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we're kind of like, you know, we, one of the things that, we'll, from my side, that I'm quite passionate about is, you know, defining the different styles of gins. So we've kind of spent a lot of time of, you know, what is the ideal... London dry and what is the ideal Australian dry, but with uh, you know with you know with the London dry and Australian twist on it. Um, so that was really important from our side. I mean, they're the two products we're going to be launching with. You know, so fine to say that I'd say at this point yeah. we're pretty not too far yeah. off, right? Yeah, yeah. Two or three months. So we're gonna we're gonna launch with London dry and Australian dry. Tim's mainly worked on some other gins and stuff like that. That we're gonna he, like I said he had he had he's had the time. And we've done like we've done lots of tastings and stuff, so so we've got a few more to come out as well. So, but we'll maybe stagger them. That might change in the next three months. We just don't know. But we'll be kicking off with, you know, a more classic style, of the London Dry plus um, what we perceive to be a great Australian dry. I mean, from my point of view, I'm I'm quite a quite a traditionalist when it comes to gin. I do really like the classic London Dry style, and my background kind of bears that out. Um, but I think here in Australia just a wealth of wonderful kind of homegrown botanicals that are here. It's just, um, it, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I'm still, it's been four years in now, I'm still trying to get my head around it all. So I think we're sort of straddling both camps quite well with the products we've got. We've got elements of traditionalism um, in it and also really trying to showcase um, Australian botanicals as well. What about the whiskey side of things? Um, you're gonna be, I guess, Starting from scratch with whiskey, you're not yeah. you're not buying in any stocks or anything like that to nope. to get going. So that's going to be a, a much slower burn. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, we're fully. We're not we're not buying in stock from anybody. Um, uh, we'll be we'll be um, mashing on site, just you know, mashing, distilling everything there. Um, I'm quite excited to do that. I'm quite excited to have it start playing around with some uh, interesting kind of barrels as well. There's some really interesting barrel stuff coming through Australia. So I'm um, looking forward to kind of doing that as well. Will you be focused on single malt or um, grain whiskey or... Kind no, of no, we'll be, we'll be single malt. It, it'll be, yeah, yeah, yeah mainly yeah. Single, or yeah. other grains as well? Or? Yeah, potentially down the track. We've started looking yeah. into bits and pieces there. Obviously, there's some, there's some great stuff here. Um, we've started playing around a little bit with some different, different bits and pieces. So, uh, yeah, down the track, we'll definitely be doing something a bit different. How do you guys feel about this part of the city, like in terms of the health of this area as a as a nightlife precinct to be kind of investing in? You're obviously already very invested in this area anyway, but um, it's obviously had a pretty tough 12 months. Are you starting to kind of see that that's rebounding pretty quickly at the moment? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like it's... If anything, this area is... It's come back quicker than what we thought. Today, you know, market March 17th, but hopefully we can stand at the bar and have a pint later, you know, a pint again, as soon as it's Paddy's day. <laughs> um, but it has bounced back quick, hasn't it, Julian? And, and if anything, you know, you kind of look at the box and it's so quiet at the moment, and you go, geez, this is a brazen move, what we're doing down there. 
yeah, so I think, you know, I think hopefully, you know, we're, uh, you know, it'll, it'll start to get a bit busier down there as well. Um, but around this area, it's, it's not too bad. It's okay. But we're small bars, right? So we're, we're you know, two metre distancing is like, is, is, is almost strangling us a little bit too. You know, we need to go to one metre and I know it's really topical COVID, but that's the general consensus out there that it needs to go back to one metre. You can have all the people in the world out in the streets, but if you can only fit, you know, 50, 60 into your venue, then you may as well, may as well not not have those people around. So it's, it's, yeah, it's frustrating to see so many people wanting to get into places and not able to, you know. Uh, that's, that's probably the toughest thing. So the sooner we can get back to normal, you know, the better, really, for everyone. How big is this, the new place going to be? Is that going to be a little bit um, more... Social distancing won't be so much of an issue in, in, this, in this premises, I guess. Uh, look, it's not, a, it's not a big venue, but uh, because we're doing an end-to-end distillery, the distillery is the bulk of the of the space. So really, the the hospitality offering is the equivalent of a small bar downstairs. So let's say 120 odd, and then we've got a beautiful um, sort of high end bar we're putting in upstairs for for 30 to 40. So we're looking at about 150 all up. So it's um it's not a of the 470 square meters. Um, the bar side is actually relatively relatively small purely because our focus really is the distillery. However, the, the ceilings are incredibly high. Yeah. So it will look bigger than what it actually is. Yeah. So we haven't designed it for pandemic social distanced. You know, we're hoping we'll, you know, we'll be able to fill it up. And <laughs> yeah. You know, so we kind of rolled the dice on that, but, you know, the distillery was so important to have the space of what Tim needed. Yeah, those whiskey stills take up a bit of space. They do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And also, I mean, it's obviously a very long-term project anyway, so you're going to be hoping that there'll be tourists and everything back within a year or two, you'd think. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah that's the idea. And, and I have to say, again, I feel like I'm just constantly plugging the rocks, people, but the, the state government's been really, who are the landlords, very, very supportive in terms of understanding that what we're doing is is challenging for the, you know, for the for the initial period, I suppose. So they've been really, really supportive helping us get open and rent and all that sort of stuff. So I think we've been given the best possible shot and, you know, we feel pretty confident as well we can create that destination down there. We really want to see see it so that we're not relying on tourists anyway, you know. I think the Rocks deserves to be more of a Sydney local-focused area, personally. The tourists will end up coming anyway, but it's got quite a lot to offer down there that, you know, I think a lot of Sydney siders sort of forget about, quite frankly. We certainly did before we started. We've been obviously spending a lot of time down there and keep just saying, Jesus, this area is just absolutely beautiful. And for whatever reason, locals don't seem to go down there you know, as, as much as they probably should and could. So where are we at in terms of time frames for everything? Well, it's meant to be June 1st. <laughs> Still waiting, DA. Yeah. They've said Friday. It's a Friday, a couple of Fridays ago, actually. I'm saying June-ish. For <laughs> completion. For yeah. completion. Yeah. That's a pretty pretty quick build. Yeah, considering <laughs> um, we haven't put, a, you know, nothing's gone in there yet. It's just what's, empty. What's the adage? 80% of the work and 20% of the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what we're going to do, we, we, we obviously plan, you know, Julian's worked quite a lot with the planning with, um, you know, our design team and architects and stuff like that. However, we're gonna, the equipment is being made out in Griffiths, so our plan is to head out to Griffiths at the end of 
um, April um, and test run the stills. Tim's going to perfect the recipes, you know, of, of larger scale. And we'll do, you know, our first five batches of whatever we need out there. Uh, so, you know, so it'll be the exact same recipe on our, on our equipment. We've done all the final taste tests on it uh, and everyone's happy. Then it'll come back to us in IPC, it'll go into a bottle. So when we can turn the key and open the doors, then we don't have to wait for production months to start. And then, so we'll be ready to go. Yep. That's it, you know. So that's kind of like the plan. Anything, anything you can tell us about the sort of the actual bar and food offering there? Yeah, I mean, like what we said about you know we're, we're going to have a good range of spirits from the food point of view. We're probably modern Australian, you know, slight focus on you know shared bowls or shared plates, whatever. And then we'll obviously have um, you know shared entrees as well as well as shared mains and stuff like that. I suppose. There's one dish that Tim and the chef have been working on, which is all around Australian botanicals, and so that's all I can say about that. Well, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, 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 there's one gin that's quite, um, I suppose, culinary inspired. Um, so I've been chatting with the chef a, a lot, and we we want to we want to do quite a li- you know a little bit of a crossover between what we're doing in the distillery and what what he's serving in the kitchen as well. Um, not necessarily pairing dishes to to anything, but just kind of having a nice bit of a a crossover between what I'm using and what he's using. We're seeing it also a great opportunity to showcase a little bit of New South Wales as well, you know, get a little bit parochial about what we have on offer here in this state. So we're, we're um, a lot of our raw ingredients are coming from regional New South Wales, so our barley from Wagga and our um, botanicals from the Southern Highlands. And so we're, we're going to, in our wine list, drinks and as much as we can in, in the food get as, get as uh, New South Wales friendly as, as we can. And I think there's a good opportunity just to showcase the best of the state um, and, and of course the country as well. A pretty big emphasis on, on cocktails as well. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, you know, we've, we've got really good access to fresh botanicals, you know, from, from the farm, from the lock in, in the Southern Highlands. So, you know, we'll be obviously doing that, but we're not gonna be, it's, the menu's not gonna be all around gin it will have a huge part in there obviously but you know we're gonna have different spirits as well you know which you know we'll be using from our preferred brands you know so they'll be you know we're using a little bit of tequila cognac vodka and so we'll be using a whole range of spirits it just won't be just a full you know cocktail menu of just our gin of what you'd normally find in a gin distillery or you know or you know any distillery really that just for the first you know, part of its uh, journey is just going to be making gin. So, you know, so from the cocktail point of view, it will be, however, we don't want it to be too posh. So, you know, it's got a different mix of furniture in there. It's going to have, um, you know, a bit more of a casual approach. So, you know, from the humble gin and tonic, you know, to a beer on tap to, you know, a fancy pants martini kind of thing. And you just sort of mentioned then the source for the botanicals. Is that something we can talk about a bit more, like how you decided upon upon uh, that particular farm? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lovely lady called uh, Bridget Kennedy who owns um, the lock down in um, uh, just outside Berrima in the Southern Highlands. And she's been supplying um, fresh uh, botanicals for, or sort of rather fresh ingredients for the cocktails here at the barbershop for quite a while. 
So um, I, I got in touch with her and we went down and had a meeting and she has this huge farm down there and this amazing garden growing you know, loads of native ingredients. We just started talking and we kind of, we, our, our values kind of aligned quite considerably. Um, she likes what we're doing, we, um, we love what she does down there. So we just talked about um, you know, growing, growing certain bits and pieces for the gins actually just, just down the road. Um, obviously, some things have to come from other places, but uh, as much as we possibly can, we're going to try and try and source, you know, homegrown botanicals. From, she, uh, she's from an islands. incredibly passionate about native botanicals mm. and flavours, just generally. Well, uh, she's originally a chef, so highly talented chef with a very successful business down there that's you know full every weekend, and so we see a lot of opportunity to even take people down there, give them experiences down there with with the botanicals and you know, show them the farm, have, have sort of weekends away and, and really get the sort of end-to-end -end experience of what we're, what we're trying to develop. And, and what she's got in there, it's not like it's a commercial farm. No. It's kind of, you know, uh, native thyme is grown, you know, with um, lemon myrtle, all in the same kind of area, you know. It's not like there's rows and rows of, of you know, botanicals or vegetables that she grows, you know, for her own kitchen. It's, it's, it really is. It, it just, like what Tim said... It really lines up with what we're doing, you know, in terms of... And we hope that feel of what she's doing down there will come out in our bar too, you know, and what we're doing. So I think that's where we really properly aligned is, you know, to have that partnership. What, what are the sort of the long-term plans for your for the business in terms of, like, um, where you expect to, people to be able to find your products? You know, is it going to be like a... Obviously, there'll be a fair, bit, a fair bit of sales across the bar and, and people will be able to take bottles home direct from the distillery. But, you know, do you see it sort of becoming a national brand and, and potentially export and all these things as well? We're humble enough to say that, we, you know, we'd be happy if Sydney loved us first, I guess. And, <laughs> um, you know, it's just start from the hometown and um, hopefully get enough love from, from everyone in our own little area and sort of take it outwards from there. I guess the product's going to be the big tester and as long as everyone loves it as much as we do, then then, yeah, of course, we hope that it's going to be a, a proper national brand in the first instance. And with the connections that, um, you know, Mike and Tim have, th there's obvious links to the UK there. So, but we're not going to get ahead of ourselves by any means, you know, really. Um, we just uh, we just want to make, make, focus on making a really good product that, I guess, wins the love of the people that use it. And so there will definitely be package sales from the venue for people who just want to come by and pick up a gift or pick up a bottle for themselves? Yeah, well, that would be great. You know, that's that's definitely the plan, you know? Yeah, no, we're hoping to do quite a few different tours through, obviously, the distillery and then, you know, and then um, have, like, a taste... We've got the tasting area, which will be upstairs above the bar on the mezzanine level, and we'll be able to hold, like, masterclasses there and and and, and private functions and whatever we want to do, really. Um, so that's really exciting that we've got, like, a kind of, like, a, a private space of 30 or 40 people. You know, and that's where we'll hold, like, you know, a lot of our tastings. But we've kind of, like, mapped out where, how we want the, the flow of the cellar door experience. So we're hoping that people really, you know, engage that. And, and, and you know, and hopefully it'll be something that you do in the rocks, you know. It's a, almost a tourist attraction kind of thing when tourism is back. It's, we are incredibly lucky with the location that it's a, you know, it's a ferry ride away from Manly, a train ride from North Sydney, uh, you know, a walk down the hill from the CBD. It's incredibly central, really, um, the rocks. So we're really hoping that we can create a destination that people will want to come and experience, um, learn a little bit uh, from Tim and, and the team about 
distilling in general, um, and then yeah, have a have an afternoon in the bar, and we're looking at some pretty incredible dining experiences as well. So, can we talk about the? Oh, okay. <laughs> Just some great dining experiences. <laughs> great dining experiences. <laughs> They're going to be good. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> you've um, actually got more out of us than anybody else has. We're definitely getting closer. Yeah. <laughs> this has been bottled up for over a year now, so we're like really, really happy with the to talk about. Yeah, we don't even have drinks in our hands either. So I know. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, guys, thanks so much for having a chat. Um, with us and uh, I can't wait to come down and, yeah. and have a drink with you um, in June. Fingers crossed. Yeah. 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 Thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Thank, thank you, James. You. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The Drinks Adventures podcast is produced by me, James Atkinson, with additional production and mixing by Dave Robertson. You can find complete transcripts, links and other information on the show at drinksadventures.com.au. You can follow me on all social media platforms at by James Atkinson. Like my Facebook page, James Atkinson Drinks Adventures, to be kept informed of podcast giveaways and other news about the show. The Drinks Adventures podcast needs your support as listeners. Please do us a favour and leave an honest review and rating for the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. We love hearing your feedback and it helps inform other people this is a show worth listening to. Or simply drop us a line at hello at drinksadventures.com.au. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that little collaboration there we've done. Thanks so much to James Atkinson for providing such an amazing podcast with the guys from Hickson House in Sydney. Uh, please comment, like, and share this podcast. Uh, we really want to know what you think about these collaborations that we're doing, these bonus episodes. As always, we're doing it with you in mind. So please comment, like, and share it and let us know what you think. And if you don't know us at Poe, Hopefully you do by now, but Sash, my co-founder from Principal Design, has one of the best design agencies in the country. So if you're looking for anything around strategy, branding, digital design, wayfinding, and graphic design, then you can know you can find them at principaldesign.com.au. And myself for Open Patrick Consulting for anything to do with systems, processes, and strategy to make your food business run even more smoothly. Thanks so much for tuning in as always. And until next time, stay safe. <laughs>